question. Yes. With a follow-up question. Do you remember your first concert? Slash, do you have a good story from that concert? Yes. Okay. It's actually not that exciting. So do I. (laughs) It was a ska band. Of course it was. A Christian ska band. Okay. Called OC Supertones. Okay. And I was, I think... It was seven or eight at the time. I was at a church in the south in the city called Poughkeepsie, New York, and the bassist like gave me a high five on stage from stage to me in the crowd. That's amazing. <laughs> and like it's like that episode in SpongeBob where like he doesn't want to <laughs> wash his hand. <laughs> like why, why is that a thing that kids do? <laughs> it was like I gave a high five to the bases of see supertones it was the biggest highlight of my life um mine is is great because let's just okay the year is 1999 i am six and for some unknown reason my parents think it's a good idea to let me go to a britney spears concert oh you're lucky <laughs> i was the envy of all my first grade friends that's I remember distinctly the t-shirt i got it was a white t-shirt because every t-shirt in 1999 was white oh yeah uh, it's probably why I hate white t-shirts now. But so we went to go see her in either Roanoke or Salem. I don't remember which. To me, it felt like it was really far away. If you don't know the geography between Lynchburg and Roanoke, it's an hour. Uh, but I was six, so it felt like forever. And we get there, and I remember vividly my dad drove this really ugly, like bright green truck. And as soon as we got there, he locked his keys in the truck. Oh, and no. I was... This may surprise you, but I was a very dramatic child. <laughs> no. I uh, remember breaking, I just started crying because I thought we were going to miss this concert that we, we drove forever, <laughs> a whole hour for. Um, and I literally do not remember anything from that concert other than my dad locking his keys in the car. Like, you don't have a memory of seeing Britney? <laughs> nope. Saying, it's Britney, bitch, nope. on stage? Literally nothing except my dad locking the keys in his car. Oh, so oh, parents, sorry. let your kids be a little older before you take them to concert. <laughs> You're going to pay that money. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Leah. And I'm Bethann. And this is She Will Rock You. Da-da-da. I'm going to do that every time now. Okay. Let me get my beer before I start this. Cause Hold on. First, first we have... We have an announcement that has nothing, it has something to do with this podcast. It's, what, what? it's slightly related, it's music related, but I just really want to talk about it. We got to let the people know about our man, Louis Capaldi. Oh my, <laughs> let me tell you folks. You have not, okay, here's what you need to do. After, after you listen to this episode, we're going to put this on Facebook or something to remind you. You need to go to Facebook or YouTube and look up Louis Capaldi reacts to number one. And that has to be your first impression of Louis Capaldi. Then you're going to go to Spotify and listen to one of his songs and just, just have your mind blown. This kid, I don't even want to give too much away. You just He is just an experience. He's Scottish. Yeah, he is Scottish, so you need to prepare for that. <laughs> we have to subtitle him a lot. <laughs> um, but his... Well, first off, he's just a fantastic singer. But he's amazing. Amazing singer. And got some really catchy melodies. But what I love about this kid, (laughs) his humor (laughs) is one of the best, like, 
humors. He's just... Which I don't know if that's really a way of saying it, it's but... the opposite of every American artist you know from, like, right now. Like, he doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah. At all. No. Nothing is In sacred. In a good way. Nothing is sacred, folks. In a good way. Not like he just doesn't care. It's just like the the fame, his rapid rise to fame had just not hit him yet or something. Yeah. I don't know. He's still figuring out. He, <laughs> look, not to give too much away, but the kid lives in his mom's house. Still. So like, he's just killing it. I feel like I'm giving too much away. But he's just killing it in the UK right now. Just go and look him up. then he just gets back from tens of thousands of people Sold shows. out shows. And then he just goes in his room. With his New York wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> I, he, he's just, he's genius. I love the kid. He's my new favorite artist. Oh, after you look up those two videos, also go watch his Grace music video. Yes. We'll leave you with that. Grace. Let's get to the topic. Grace. Grace. Right? Yeah. Grace. Grace. Let's get to the topic. All again. right. Hello, folks. Hello. Hello, Leah. Hello. How's it going? We've been hanging out for the last hour. <laughs> That's true. We ate fried chicken together. We're past this point. <laughs> I practically live here now. It's fine. That's true. That's true. You know, you, you got a real friend when they just go into your fridge and pull something out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which, uh, that's that's when you know you've arrived. So, we've talked about Elton John, who is practically Mary Poppins in that he's practically perfect in every way. This is true. And then we talked about the equivalent of a band sponsored by Pepsi <laughs> or Kool Aid. Sponsored by Kool Aid. So, so I hope you enjoyed the normalcy of those to, artists. You're about to lose all of it. Yeah, because we got some artists coming up. There's some good, actually, uh, very good. There's some bad. And then there's just some straight up weird yeah. stuff. So I'm covering Prince. <laughs> because why not? Because I have no chill. Let's just get straight to the... We're just jumping straight in. Why Why not? So let's just talk about Prince's early life. He's born Prince Rogers Nelson. Oh, so that's like actually his name. Yeah. Did yeah. Not, I just assumed it was a stage name. Okay. Oh, I did too. And then it's actually interesting because I went back and I was like, I remember like, doesn't Michael Jackson have a kid named Prince? Oh, yeah. Why have I never connected those two dots and until when, just now? But when I thought about it, I'm like, oh... Because Michael Jackson, he was a kid, Prince Michael Jackson. And I, everyone's like... Subtle. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And But like Prince wasn't weird to me. He also has a kid named Blanket, though. Let's not, okay. let's yeah. not give him good naming credit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. So he's born Prince Rogers Nelson on June 7th, 1958 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 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 His mom was a jazz singer and his father was a pianist and songwriter his name was john lewis nelson so where prince actually got his name from it's his father's stage name his that makes sense it was prince rogers and he used to perform with prince's mother in something called the prince rogers trio now i don't know who's third wheel in this situation (laughs) i couldn't find out there was no hyperlink on wikipedia they're not famous enough yeah um but prince actually never liked the name growing up he wanted to be called Skipper, which <laughs> okay, isn't that Barbie's friends? It's name? either Barbie's friend or something from Gullah. It's like the middle uh, Barbie. It's not the baby Barbie or the adult Barbie. It's like the preteen Barbie. Something I think Skipper. I think you're right on that, <laughs> or it's something from Gilligan's Island. Yes, also true. I think yeah. 
Um, but let's just all be thankful that name didn't stick because I couldn't imagine an album like Purple Rain being called Skipper, Skipper. and the Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so this actually worked out. Good choice. Yeah, they kept it. Weird story number one. Okay, I'm ready. And let me just tell you folks, we're in for a wild ride. Grab a beer. If you're driving, buckle up. <laughs> Don't grab a beer. <laughs> <laughs> or grab a beer. Just buckle up. <laughs> so, as a child, according to Wikipedia. I'm the accurate source for everything. Yes. He was born epileptic. Epileptic. Okay. Which I can never say. But one day he goes to his mom and he says, Mom, I'm not going to be sick anymore. And his mom's like, okay, where are you getting this from? He says, oh, because an angel told me so. Kids are creepy. <laughs> I don't like that. That happens a lot. And I don't and like it. I'm assuming he was never sick again. <laughs> okay. So. That's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, he goes on after that, writes his first song. Okay. At age seven called... Funk machine. That's a because all seven year olds have funk. Come on, one hundred percent. But then at age ten, his parents divorce. His mom remarries a guy named Hayward Baker. That's a horrible name. Not Hayward Maker. Hayward <laughs> Baker. And Prince and him don't really get along. Prince bounces between his father's and his mom's and his friends' houses. So that pretty much sums up. He has some brothers and sisters, family trouble. That's pretty much his life in a nutshell. There's probably more, but of course, we have to abridge everything because there's like four decades of music history, so I can't get into nitty gritty. Um, so with his career launch, it all starts in 1975, and Prince's cousin's husband starts a group called 94 East. It's a in, band name. Yeah, 94 East in Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota. What we've learned from this is that your first band name is probably not going to be your permanent brand name. Yes. We, <laughs> we're learning that really fast. <laughs> we're two for two right now. Now we're going to add a third. Um, but they hire Prince to and his friend, Andre Simone. I hope I said that right. Uh, to record the tracks. But tr Prince also helps by laying down guitar tracks and co-writing uh, some of the songs. So Prince records a demo with a producer later on named Chris Moon, and they start shipping Prince over to different record labels, but no one's really abiding. Um, so Chris Moon brings Prince's demo tracks to a local Minneapolis. I'm never going to be able to say that, right? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Just point to me every time you need me to say it. Okay. <laughs> that works. Um, anyway, this dude, the, a businessman type mogul guy, and... He signs him at age 19. So then they start shipping Prince's demo over to some major labels, and they start showing interest in Prince. Okay. Warner Brothers snags him. And Does everybody have a recording label at this point in history? There's like 8,000 recording yes. labels. And I don't know if they knew what they were doing when they did this. So they sign Prince, and they say... We're going to give you creative control for three albums. Heck yeah. That was and the best decision they could have made. It is. No, I agree. I just don't know if they knew what they were in for. It's interesting that they gave him that because I feel like that's not a thing no. that any record label has ever but done in history. I also could see Prince pulling that off because if you've ever seen him in interviews or you've heard people who have met Prince, 
he's a very interesting personality. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little <laughs> bit. So I'm actually kind of not surprised that he probably talked his way into that. Regardless, he gets signed, and his first album is called For You. He writes, composes, produces, and plays all 27 instruments on that album. What? <laughs> yes. Is that, is that possible? The only... The only exception is he co-wrote one song with Chris Moon. Okay. But that's it. So, question. When you write these songs for 27 instruments for yourself to play, what's the plan to play these live later? Oh, he just hires a band. But that, then he doesn't get to do it the way that he wrote it. I, I agree. It seems like a very stressful situation. I Hey, he got full <laughs> creative control. <laughs> and my bro said, fine, I'm putting 27 instruments in there. But his first kind of hit song off that album is called soft and wet hmm. <laughs> I should I'm not gonna repeat it again because uh, I should not have taken a sip yeah have your beer there <laughs> okay that's not and, subtle uh, at all yeah and then in 1979 he forms a band with his friend Andre Simone that we remember from last time try uh, again Des Dickerson Gail Chapman and Dr. Fink and then Bobby Z and most of these guys would go on, for most part, make up the revolution, his backup band. Um, but in 1979, he releases his second album, Prince. And that has really big hits such as I Want to Be Your Lover. That's probably his, that's the hit that really kind of broke the ceiling for him. Mm-hmm. And that sold over 2 million copies, went platinum. Um, there's other songs like Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, mm-hmm. Sexy Dancer, you know. There better have been some sexy dancers in the music video for that song. (laughs) Probably, probably. But then, 1980 rolls around. And the prints that existed before 1980s, yes, they were very, like, R&B and soul, and they have those, like, R&B and soul titles. And my boy Prince just says, nah, let's style it up to 11. It's the 80s now, y'all. And his 1980 album's called Dirty Mind. (laughs) Which you can, you know... (laughs) <laughs> Tell by the title, all pure lyrics, pure and clean lyrics. Oh, yeah. No hanky-panky here. It's family-friendly album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to sell at the local family-friendly store. Yeah. You can pick this up on your corner drugstore. Yes. No problems. Yes. They won't even check your ID. <laughs> no, just kidding. It, it literally is one of the most sexually explicit albums to come out ever. Um, well, for that time. Yeah, I'm sure. Just How does it compare to today's music? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> would it be like on par? Probably. I mean, I feel like Prince is the one who actually just went ahead and said, okay. screw it. I'm going to pioneer it. Talk about it. Yeah. I mean, one critic describes Prince in this transition as before this album, he was a doe-eyed lover. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, here's all the sexual things I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get it all out. Yeah. Yeah, so, let's just put it all so in there. So is it like the equivalent of hitting musical puberty? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> okay. Spot on. Uh, but the album does receive critical success. And it certifies gold. Okay. okay. And then in 2003, that album ranked number 204 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. That's a lot of albums. Yeah. Then comes along just a little album slash movie called Purple Rain. Okay. I, I've heard of it. There may have been, an, I think there was an album or two after Dirty Mind. I didn't have time to cover it. 
I was running this outline Dude's got up till midnight. Dude's so got a big career. I, I had to move on. I just had to move on. Yeah, let's fast forward a little bit here. Prince is just killing it. He does release another album. So he releases another album. But this album, which actually I believe was a movie first, or it was a movie project first, from what I read on Wiki, and then the album was just like a part of it. Okay. But I always like associate the album first, and then the movie was a byproduct of that album. But I it's actually reversed. Did not know there was a movie until you mentioned it like a week ago. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. So here's the how album kind of, obviously is more famous. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's how it kind of went down. Well, one, it's the album's called Prince and the Revolution. Mm-hmm. That's the billing title of it. And what's interesting about his band is Prince always went out of his way to make his band diverse, which is really good. So there was like I think a couple of like female guitarists in it. Heck yeah! And then there's a really diverse crowd, um, but he renames them the Revolution. So in the early '80s, like right after I think Dirty Mind was, was released, he tells his management team to secure secure him as the lead in a major motion picture when he really wasn't that big yet. Also, can you act? <laughs> so, this is important. Which I'm noticing a trend here. First, he kind of, I'm assuming, tells a record label, you're going to give me three... Yeah, three albums. Albums of creative control. One of those albums being Dirty Mind. <laughs> yep. And they were that decision. <laughs> and um, now he's like, you're going to secure me a major motion picture where I'm going to star in it. But the film is loosely based on his life. Comes with the soundtrack or the album. And I'm just going to stop here. That album, I listened to it for the first time about like two weeks ago. Same. Same day. Beth Ann said you had to listen to this. Yes. Said, okay. Yes. It is incredible. It is. I'd only ever heard Purple Rain and When Doves Cry. Which do not do the album justice. No. I think those songs, the reason why they're really popular, I mean, they are good songs, but I think they're the most marketable. Because yeah. if you go listen to that album, there are just some musical concepts that they are playing with that are very complex yeah i uh, like there's like one song called take me with you they're like switching time signatures another one like the bro is the drummer is whipping out a double pedal and it's just killing it you mean it's not just like a c chord and a d chord over and over and over? no <laughs> well that's the thing like honestly the music in it was so pioneering like Double pedals weren't really, I feel like, weren't really used until, like, later You bring metal in the picture. Yeah. No, there were some jams. I'm like, that is metal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was listening. I'm like, that's where the founding came from, was from this song right yeah. here. Um, and then there's some parts where I'm like, wow, that's really prog. Like, that's just so identifies that spirit of it. But yeah, it's, it's 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 one of those albums that like the songs sound nothing alike, mm-hmm. but yet all go together. Yeah, exactly. Which is my favorite kind of album. I agree. So the album just kills it, not just in reality, but historically, just kills it. And the album sells more than thirteen million copies in the U.S. and spent twenty four consecutive weeks weeks Jeez. at number one on the Billboard two hundred list. Like- that's half a year. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you have those big hits, Doves Cry, and then Let's Go Crazy, which is the opening track. Mm-hmm. We're really big for that time. My personal favorite track is Take Me With You. That's because it has this opening. It's the second song on the track. 
it's, I believe, in a different time signature altogether, but it's so different, and then it just flips to a different song. Yeah. I thought it changed songs, actually, when I was listening to it, because I no. had it, like, in the background. No. And it feels like that it changes three times into a different yeah. song. It just morphs and evolves. But the movie also kills it. It gets $68 million in the U.S., which is $164 million in 2018 dollars. Okay. So... But, I mean, if you think about it... Not Avengers, but it's pretty good. Well, I mean, today we look at blockbusters. Yeah. And it's like, oh, if you're not making $2 billion, well... <laughs> go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm not even going to go see you. Yeah. I mean, for that time, that's huge. Yeah. And it won Princeton Academy Award for Best Original oh, Song I Score. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, however, it did cause a stir. Well, I can't imagine why. <laughs> So there's this song, you've probably heard of it, it's called Darling Nikki. I actually haven't. You haven't heard of it? No. Okay. So it's a song which refers to a certain sexual act. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it because we have a cursing master list that yeah. I We're not abide by. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to go too much into it, but it's a pretty like, this song's pretty infamous for just openly talking about it. Today, it... B looks very differently. But anyway, one day, the 11-year-old daughter of oh. Alan Tripper Gore, oh, no. previous or former, I should say, vice president and second lady, their daughter starts singing the song Uh-oh. without knowing their parents are there. Now, Mama Gore ain't having it. Yeah, I'm sure she's not. <laughs> and she, she founds the Parent Music Resource Center which is responsible for putting the explicit lyric stickers on albums. You know. So way to go, Prince. That's that's a whole topic for another episode that I want to cover is censorship yeah. of music. We'll talk more about her later. <laughs> she'll, she'll be coming up again. <laughs> Stay tuned. But anyway, that's why we have it. That's, I mean, yeah. But I will say for that song... <laughs> I listened to it three times in the car today and for this, for the fact that the ending of that song is nuts. It's okay, so, I'll listen oh, to it when I it's back. so musically good and it's, I love, I love the ending of that song okay. so much. I'll listen to it on my drive home. So anyway, uh, so that's kind of the history and the legacy of Purple Rain. So 1985 rolls around. That movie came out in 1984, album came out in 1984, but 1985, Prince says, I'm done touring. You're at the top of your game. <laughs> He's like, I'm done live touring. That's it. It's canceled. And Prince is canceled, guys. <laughs> but however, he does release another album. This one's called Around the World in a Day. And it held the number one spot on the Billboard 200 for three weeks. And then in 1986, he releases another album called Parade, which reaches number three on the Billboard 200. Number two on the R&B charts. Okay. But he's not touring to promote these albums. No. So that's actually no, no, no. really he's impressive. Like, Here, have them. Don't expect to see me. It's impressive that he got that high about promoting them at all. Yeah. Because that's not a thing you did in the 80s. You toured till you died, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Parade album. And I didn't know this until I went and did my research, a.k.a. Wikipedia. It actually served as the soundtrack 
for a second Prince movie. Okay. The movie is called Under the Cherry Moon. Never heard of it. No. Literally, this is news to me. It was a black and white film Mm. stylized in a great Gatsby 1920s aesthetic. I can see that not doing well in the 80s. Yeah, it bombs horribly. I can see that. It ties for the worst movie next to Howard the Duck at that oh. year's Golden Raspberry Award. That's bad, y'all. Oh, my gosh. I mean... That's real bad. That's... Yeah. It doesn't get much worse. No. Poor friend. So then... That was a that was a risk that did not work out. No, and I think he directed it, too. But that movie came in 1986. And coincidentally, in 1986, he says, all right, let's go touring again. Huh. What gave you that idea? (laughs) So he tours his album Parade. But he disbands the revolution shortly after. Okay. Now, I'm going to skip over a lot of years here because, like I said. He's just touring. the, The dude's got so much history. Just go look it up. But he just releases a bunch of albums. He forms a new band called New Generation in the 90s. There's just a lot. There's a lot. But I want to... I keep hitting this. I want to get over to Prince's personality and a little bit into his personal life. Okay. Which, really, we're going to call this section Weird Prince Stories. I'm all for this. So, like I said earlier, this guy, he's a little strange, if you haven't noticed. A little bit. And... You know, he's done a lot of things I don't necessarily agree with at all. We are not condoning these actions. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to talk about him. We're just going to get it out. We'll do it respectfully because I know he has passed on. But we do need to talk about him, guys. Yep. But let's start with... <laughs> I'm ready. Let me resituate myself here. You know, I wrote in my notes, this is a fun story. I said this before I found out Oh no. another section of this story. Oh, no. That I didn't know this leaded into. Okay. I mean, the first part is great. Oh, this is a fun little project he did. And then you click, like, the next hyperlink on that page, and you're like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Get out, get out, get out. But, all right. So here's what happens. And I believe this is shortly after the revolution disbands. Or Prince debands the revolution. Did they have uh, creative differences? Yes. (laughs) So Prince... Has an unreleased album. Like, to this day unreleased? Yes, to this day. Okay. Well, kind of. So, basically, he intended to publish this album under a pseudonym named Camille. Okay. In which this whole album is Prince speeding up his vocals. Like chipmunk style? Almost, but to sound like a female. Okay. Very androgynous, honestly. Okay. You can't really tell the difference between male or female. Um, how, however, he's, the album gets scrapped just a few weeks prior to release. Oh. The problem with that, though, it was scrapped a little too late because there were still some LP copies that were being made. Ooh. And there's still, like, a registration number for it. There's only, like, a handful of LPs in existence, and they sell at auctions whenever they resurface. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. But you can listen to one song on YouTube. It's okay. like the first track from it. I can't think of the name of it right now. But if you type in Camille Prince, it's going to show up. We'll find it in post. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, so everything's fine. So that's a nice part of the story. <laughs> everything's fine. Oh, no. Just let's just end the podcast here. Okay. Bye, guys.
Good See night. ya. The great episode. No, no, no. <laughs> let, don't let your kids listen to this, guys. We if, should have put that warning at the top of this Well, show. if it's about a prince, and you're letting your kids listen about prince. We're not kid-friendly. Look, you can, you can introduce your kids wherever you want. I'm just saying. Go listen to Britney Spears instead. <laughs> I'm just saying. You, you may not want your kids listening to this part. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So Prince says he invoked Camille, his alter ego, okay, to guide him to this new album, which is called the Black Album. Okay. But Prince shelves that album too before Bro. it's released. Okay. A few weeks. Because he has a spiritual epiphany that that album is evil. Um, and he blames the album for its evilness on an entity named Spooky Electric. Oh, that, sounds like, that sounds like the nickname you give your Pokemon when you're like seven. That's not a thing. That's what he's saying. And he describes it as a demonic, low voice, alter ego induced by Camille. Is it like the feedback from his mic? I'm confused. <laughs> so, so. He shelves, wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, he's yes. drugs at this point. Well, okay, that was my next point. Okay. It's likely that epiphany came after using drugs because they do as, say. As all epiphanies come. They, what Wikipedia did link, it is very possible because he probably had a bad trip on this. I couldn't remember the drug name. So it's very likely this is all induced. By drugs, that he felt this way. I would bet money on that. Yes. Okay. Yes, no, I agree. But anyway, so there's these two albums though. I'm just chilling somewhere. So he shelves Camille. He shelves Black Album. He decides instead he's going to release another album called Love Sexy because it has some religious affirmation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the it's the antithesis of the Black Album. <laughs> um. But actually, later on in 1994, they go ahead and release Black Album anyway. Okay. I have not heard a single song off of it. I think Tidal only has the rights to it. Um, and I believe it's very limited. So it only has a couple of songs. Interesting. There's songs that we'll never see the light of day that were on that album. Interesting. Yeah. Which, this bleeds into my second story. Okay. And that's of Prince's unreleased projects. I vaguely know of these, but I told you a little bit about yes. it. Yes. And we're going to touch it, but uh, touch I don't on it a little bit. Much, but I do. So, there's this clip by this director named Kevin Smith who has directed the movie Clerks. If you've heard of that, Jane Silent Bob nope. from the 90s. Nope. Uh, it's actually a very interesting story. I'm going to take a tangent here. <laughs> Kevin Smith directed this film, Clerks. It's a cult uh, cult classic. He took out like five credit cards to make this film. That's impressive for but the 90s. it launched his career. Do what you gotta do. He went in and did a bunch of movies. But he releases this movie called Dogma in like 1999, I believe. It stars Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And Prince watches it, catches his eye. So Prince calls up Kevin Smith and says, I want you to come out to Paisley Park and do this film where we're going to do this celebration album 
and we're going to have like listening parties and I want you to get feedback from the fans of how, what they thought about it. And it's just, we're going to have just a good time. And so of course, Kevin Smith says yes. Cause how can you not say yes yeah. to Prince? As we've said before, when Prince calls, you answer. Yeah, that's correct. And Prince wanted to release it in Cannes Film Festival as well. Mm. So Kevin gets there. And what Prince really wants is a documentary that is a cross between his music Religion, race, and the music industry. It's a lot of things to fit in one documentary. Yeah. And Kevin Smith, in this clip, because it's from Kevin Smith, um, when he's speaking at a college, he says he's anything but a documentarian. Um, he actually has this quote where he said, you know, if Prince wants me to make a movie about some bros hanging around a mall, I'm your guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> Clerks is about some bros hanging around a gas station. So... Hey, know your lane and stay in it. That's true. Well, that's exactly it. And yeah. he didn't really want to do it at that point, but he does it anyway. He goes and films at Paisley Park. Um, they actually run out of film by how long Prince actually is talking to the audience about different things. Ah, uh, the days of film. There's a lot in that whole clip. You can actually find it on Vimeo because they took it off YouTube. It's just wild. Go listen to it. Kevin Smith, I think he's one of my favorite speakers ever because he's such a good storyteller. His movies are okay. He, I respect the hell out of him as a director because he's just such a good director. I mean, he's such a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so at the end of filming, Kevin Smith asks, who's going to be cutting the film? Are we cutting it? And the Prince's producer says, oh, no, we've already started doing that. And he's like, oh, cool. So, like, are you guys going to release it next month or what? And the producer replies. She, she replies, don't get your hopes up. Most of this stuff never sees the light of day. Stuff. <laughs> she goes on to say she has produced 50 music videos for Prince and not a single one was released. What? And they were for songs no one has ever heard. What? So all this stuff is in a vault somewhere. Yes. He literally had so... a vault of unused projects. I'm surprised we haven't been seeing that stuff leak out slowly. Oh, it's, it's, it's locked down. After he did pass away, his sister assumed um, she got the property. And I think they're going to just, the whole family's going to lock it away. But like, these were not like, let's put up a camera. These were like full productions with costumes and everything. Yeah. Like money was put into them. That's crazy. Never will see the light of day. That's crazy. We need to see that stuff. I wouldn't. Love to see. I wonder if it'll eventually come out like it might in like a 50 or 100 years once someone else is the proprietor of the estate. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Some poor nephew who just really wants a bunch of cash. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. We're going to get into it, but like after Prince passed away, 50 to like 100 people came out of the woodwork and said they were Prince's half brother or sister. So, yeah, there you go. We're going to move on to story number three. In 1990, Prince meets a 16-year-old named Maddie Garcia. Why does that name sound familiar? <laughs> I don't know, but she's a, a dancer, and he got to see a tape of her dancing. And then after she graduated high school, she began working as a backup singer and dancer for Prince. Dream the, job. Yes. But then at 19, mm. he tells her, you have to go on birth control. That's not the thing. And then they begin a relationship. Mm. 
He's, I think, so it's 1990, so he's in his late 30s. He was born in 1958, so he's like, no, he's in his... Still not okay. Yeah, he's he's old guy. I, I suck at math. but You can't just tell someone to yeah. go on birth control because you want to sleep with them. That's he, not how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm torn about the whole situation, but I definitely lean towards, this is not okay. If she was... If she was willing and she brought it up. Well, cool. that's that's the thing. I don't know any about her side, so it's hard to say. Yeah. But the way don't trust the reporting on Wikipedia. Yeah, that's why I'm like kind of giving it leeway. Cause like, yeah. well, she wanted actually wanted that. And yeah. She's 19. You're I an mean, a, you're an adult. But I mean, then again, this is a famous music star, and he's like, no, you're in a relationship with me. How the hell are you going to say no to that? Yeah, and you're in his dance crew, and you are 19, yeah. you want to further your career, like, you're yeah. not going to say no. Yeah, that's true. And so it's kind of, man- it's very manipulative in a way. Yeah. So anyway, but they do get married. Okay. Okay, so he was 37. So they they get married in 1996 when he's 37, mm-hmm. and she's 22. They have a son. Name Amir Nelson. Okay. I thought they were name something weird like blanket. So no, doing just, good here. Just Amir, but and he dies a week later after Aww. he's born because he's suffered with Pfeiffer syndrome. I believe is what's called. Aww, that's sad. It's very sad. You know that stress of child dying, and then I guess there was a miscarriage in in that time. The couple divorced in two thousand. So then we're gonna move on to story story four. In nineteen ninety three, Prince is having some contractual disputes with his record label. Don't they all? <laughs> no, always, at one point. And Prince is like, I'm done with you all. Like, really, really done. And in protest, he changes his name uh, to an unpronounceable symbol, or the love symbol, as it's known for. Yes. It's the album he always... It's the symbol he always has. Which is now a Pantone color. Yeah. It's it is love symbol number two, I think, is what they call it. But he did this because he felt the record label owned his name. I mean, he's not wrong. He's absolutely not wrong. That's how you stick it to the man. You make your own symbol. <laughs> but those are my wrap ups of Wait, four weird Prince stories. So when was he the artist formerly known as Prince? Because that was a thing. Okay, too. so like in the Kevin Smith kind of mini documentary, he talks about. Prince always changed his name. He actually said, he was talking to one of the secretaries of Prince. He says, so what do I call him? And the secretary goes, oh, he's going by Prince again. So you can call him that. Because Prince has had different names yeah. that he chooses to go by. Like, John is one of them. Like, I didn't write him in here, but like, Yeah, that's just, I remember that tons. was like a joke in like middle school or something. But he probably, he's probably said it. Like, I'm not Prince anymore. I'm known as the artist. Yeah. Or, it's probably around this time. Probably. Um, because no one can pronounce the love symbol. I mean, so because it's, it's not a word. Yeah. So I'm going to fast forward some more. Now we got those weird stories out of the way. Oh, story time's over. It's 2007. Okay. And it's Super Bowl. I remember watching this. I do too. And I don't think I comprehended it such... Because what was I? I was in high school. I don't think I really comprehended how amazing that halftime show was and now you can barely find it on YouTube and I oh there's a whole string of them in between 2005 and 2000 because this comes up in in my next episode yeah there's a whole string 2005 and 2008 9 yeah that like 
they were underappreciated Super Bowl halftime shows. Yes. Like you had Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones and there was one weird ass year where they put Britney Spears, the Backstreet Boys, and Steven Tyler up there. Yeah, because they tried to like they were so scarred from the Jim, uh, not Jim, <laughs> Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. They're like safe, safe, safe. Old yeah. Guys, old guys, okay. Old guys. Okay. Let's try to put Britney. Yes. <laughs> let's but see gotta, what happens. We got to throw in someone else too. Steven Tyler's free this weekend. You want to come perform? Yeah. And then all of them perform. Uh, Walk this way, and it is bad. I remember that. It was. I rewatched it the other day. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. But before we get into the halftime show, let's talk about the press conference. Have you ever seen? No. Oh my God, Leah. Like, <laughs> I went back and watched it. And during the press conference, which is pretty like normal to have a press conference like a couple days before the Super Bowl, meet the artist, they answer some questions. Yeah. Prince is introduced. There's normally a Q&A time. Mm-hmm. But Prince decides to hold a concert. At the press release? Yes. So he brings out the whole band. Oh my gosh. Including backup dancers. Oh, and then like... And this, a full jazz section. Are they just in this like little conference room? They're just in a conference room. <laughs> That's amazing. But Prince leans into the mic and he says, contrary to rumor... I will be taking a few questions. So a reporter raises his hand and says, so Prince, da 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 he just starts playing. I was like, that is the most badass moment. That's how you hold a press conference. Ever. It was great. And he, he just played his concert. He says, all right, thank you guys. And walks off stage. Hope you got your answers. Bye. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, it was fantastic. So then his halftime show takes place February 2nd, 2007, Super Bowl XLI, because I refuse to it know what that been, means in Roman numerals. Uh, they were the year after the Stones. Is XL 50? XL is 30. We just so had 31. Super Bowl 40 recently. So it's- <laughs> I mean, that just shows you how much I know about Super Bowl. Like, I should know this. I took anyway, too much Latin. To me, it's XLI. And the show opens, and it's on the large stage shaped like the love symbol. And the event televised to 140 million viewers, which made it the largest audience ever. Hmm. I think in general, but also for Prince. I mean, you're not going to top the entire country yeah. watching their TVs at one exactly. time. Exactly. In 2015, Billboard.com ranked it as the greatest Super Bowl performance ever. Hmm. And I mean it is. Because even though there's not as many clips anymore, I just have a very distinct memory of it's pouring down rain right at the time it starts playing Purple Rain. Like, that's not planned. It just literally starts oh. pouring down I thought, rain. I always thought it was part of the plan. I'm pretty sure it's not. That's that's cool. I mean, I could be wrong, but it just starts raining. And there's the whole, like, purple sheet that he's playing behind on a yeah. guitar. It was just so magical. That's cool. Yeah. Moving on, we're going to talk about um, as a disclaimer, if you're not kind of cool with talking about people passing, totally get it. Trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning, because we're going to just talk about his last days. So in 2016 of April, he postpones two shows because of the flu. And while flying back to Minneapolis, um, he becomes unconscious on the flight. Mm, I didn't know that that's how he... 
Well, it's not quite. Um, but the plane does an emergency landing. They get him stabilized with uh, some medicine that actually blocks the effect of opi- opioids. Mm-hmm. Especially after you have had an overdose. But he leaves the hospital after he's stabilized against the hospital's wishes. The next day, he's doing fine. He's riding a bike around his hometown. He's stopping by a famous record store. Um, but then on April 20th, uh, one of Prince's representatives reaches out to a specialist for addiction medicine and pain management. So let me set this up a little bit better. Prince started having hip problems because he was wearing high heels all the time. They're bad for, for his. I mean, for his shows. Yeah. And I believe he still had the surgery, but there was a time he wasn't going to have the surgery because it would require blood transfusion. And mm. Jehovah Witnesses, which he was, he became a Jehovah Witness around the 2000s. They don't believe in that. They don't believe in blood transfusions. Um, so he was not going to have the surgery, but I believe he ended up having it, which is, I believe, where the opioid addiction came from. It's really sad. So he leaves the hospital. His representative team reaches out to a, a addiction center seeking help for Prince. He's scheduled to meet with Prince on April 22nd. Um, but on April 21st, medical personnel were called to Paisley Park and he passes away mm. because of an accidental opioid addiction. I mean, opioid overdose. Because yeah. he was in that blocker. That's really sad. It's really sad. I mean, he was 57, I think, when he passed. So it's not old. It's not. And... You know, like I said, there's a lot of good with the dude. There's a lot of bad with the dude. There's a lot of weird with the dude. But he made some of the best music I've ever heard. I mean, I don't... I I remember people comparing Michael Jackson to Prince. There is no category between the two. They're very Mm -hmm. different artists. Yeah. Michael Jackson was more of a mainstream pop. Yes, Prince was still in the pop category, but he brought very eclectic mixes into it and made it his own yeah and but he was also like i read an opinion piece today that was said that claimed that michael jackson not michael jackson prince is the second greatest guitar player to ever live aside from Jimi hendrix yeah i agree with that so you go and listen i mean the guy is probably one of the best musicians ever lived the fact that he could for most of his early albums he he just played everything that's insane he did everything um, so it's just, it's so sad that this is unfortunately the way it went, but honestly, this is like, I feel like we hear opioid addiction a lot, but we don't really understand why it's so yeah. dangerous is because the reason this dude, I'm assuming got into this was because of he, surgery. He was prescribed it and then it never went away. Yeah. That's yeah. That's where a lot of the issues come from. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really sad. But I think to end this podcast on a good note, because... Let's not end on a sad note. Let's not end on a sad note. I know the dude would want to be celebrated. So, I don't really have a note to kind of go, because I literally oh, I have wrote a this note. at midnight. I have a note. So, when, when Beth Ann told me she was going to do this as her topic, she said, go listen to Purple Rain. So, listen to Purple Rain, and I just... I messaged her, and I go, wait is um shoot what's his name power line 
is Powerline from the Goofy movie based on Prince. And I literally like picture that gif of like uh, the one with Winona Ryder when all the the math is floating around her head. That was me in that moment. I was like, <laughs> he's based on Prince. Then I had to Google it. And yes, Powerline in a Goofy movie is based on Prince. Yes. So that is his contribution to 90s culture. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I mean, that's pretty much, that's what I have on Prince. It's very abridged, so I apologize. We try to keep this to an hour, but... Yeah. Yeah. Some of these people's careers are just too long. Yeah, they are, guys. But I will say this. The guy was such a musical genius. There, I very much doubt there will be another musician like Prince. It's so sad we lost him before, honestly, before his time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he One should not hun- died at 57. No, and I hope this opioid addiction just gets its ass kicked because this, this thing is just so yeah. dangerous and I don't want to lose another prince. Yeah. I don't. So anyway, let's, let's talk about our drink. Oh yeah, what's your <laughs> drink of choice? Let's move on. Or let's technically move. my drink that I bought and brought to your house. That's true. She literally <laughs> bought a six pack of all different things. Kroger's choose your own six pack, guys. That's, That's the way, way to go. go. So today I am drinking the Pear Lager. From Devil's Backbone, which is a local brewing company located in Lexington, Virginia. It's pretty good. It's it's very pairy. If I can use the same words as their marketing team has chosen, it is crisp. <laughs> it is fresh with pear notes. It's got more than pear notes. It's very oh, pear. That's fine. It's good. It's really good. It is good. So that's all I got, guys. Hope you enjoyed our episode on Prince. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, We would love it if you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you would leave us a little review and include a little note, and you may just have it read on air. Special thanks to Josh Tarpley for our intro riff and Lauren Page Photography for our cover art. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at at SheWillRockYouPodcast, or you can follow me at LeahElizabethJ, that's LeahElizabeth.J, or Beth Ann at Beth Ann Tarpley. Um, so yeah, see you guys next time. Bye. Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs>